Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. It's a big day in the state's fight against air pollution. After a public hearing, California's Air Resources Board is expected to approve tough new pollution emission standards for both commercial trucks and ships docked in California ports. The standards, the state's most stringent in 10 years, are supposed to reduce emissions of smog-forming nitrogen oxides from diesel trucks by up to 90% over the next seven years. That would be the pollution control equivalent of removing 16 million cars from the road. Proponents say the standards are necessary to protect human health, especially in the L.A. area and San Joaquin Valley, and meet state targets in the fight against climate change. Critics, which include truck manufacturers, and organized labor say they're worried about the costs of implementation and the impact on jobs. Turning to the pandemic, Governor Gavin Newsom says the state will build a new laboratory that will more than double California's COVID-19 testing capacity. Newsom says the lab, operated in a partnership with diagnostic company Perkin Elmer, will allow the state to conduct 150,000 additional coronavirus tests per day, and testing results will come back within 48 hours. Hours. Here's Newsom. Then we have the ability to make decisions in real time that will advance our efforts to reopen our schools for in-person education, reopen our businesses in a more effective and efficient manner, in a more sustainable manner. The governor expects the lab to be up and running by November and reach full testing capacity by March. He says the initiative is an example of something that the federal government should be doing to fight coronavirus, but isn't under the Trump administration. Meanwhile, a state senator says he's tested positive for COVID-19. The Senate canceled its session yesterday after learning of his diagnosis. And KQED's Katie Orr says the case comes as lawmakers are already scrambling to finish their legislative work. San Diego County Republican Brian Jones confirmed on Twitter he's tested positive for COVID-19. The news comes in the final week of the legislative session. In a statement, Senate Leader Tony Atkins said Jones had been in the Capitol this week. Lawmakers have until the end of Monday to finish up their work for the year. And having taken several unplanned breaks because of COVID, there isn't any time to waste. Atkins says the Senate is conducting contact tracing, and she said it will complete its business by next week's deadline. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento. A coronavirus outbreak at a poultry processing facility in California's Central Valley has tripled in size since last month. That underscores just how vulnerable, often low-paid, immigrant workers are in America's food supply chain. KQED's Alex Hall has that story. 
Foster Farms sent out a flyer to employees at its Livingston plant this week saying 341 workers have tested positive for the coronavirus and nine employees have died from complications of COVID-19. Erika Navarrete is vice president of United Farm Workers, which represents around 2,000 workers at the plant. It's a big impact because everyone in, in, the, in Livingston and Merced and Aduar and all the areas work in, in foster farms. She says most of the employees who have died were Latino men and women between the ages of 45 and 55 years old. The majority of the people who pass away, also the family, they were positive. Navarrete says the company has begun a process of testing all plant employees, and the union is pushing to have the workers tested twice a week. The Merced County Department of Public Health did not respond to questions about the outbreak. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. There were protests last night in Los Angeles and Oakland to show solidarity with protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and express outrage at the police shooting of another black man. Professional athletes also continue their own protests against the killing of African Americans by law enforcement. There are reports Los Angeles Clippers and L.A. Lakers players will join other NBA team members and sit out the rest of the season after several players boycotted playoff games last night. Here's Lakers superstar LeBron James speaking on Tuesday. We are scared as black people in America. Black men, black women, black kids, we are we are terrified because you don't know. You have no idea. You have no idea how that cop that day left the house. You don't know if he woke up on the good side of the bed. You don't know if he woke up on the, on the wrong side of the bed. You don't know if he had an argument at home with a significant other. You know, if one of his kids said something crazy to him and he left the house steaming. Or maybe he just left the house saying that today is going to be the end for one of these black people. That's what it feels like. The WNBA, Major League Baseball, and Major League Soccer also canceled or postponed games as many of their players remained on the sidelines. On Twitter, ESPN described yesterday's walk-offs as an unprecedented day in sports history. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. The hundreds of wildfires, large and small, burning in California have threatened people and communities. But what's been the effect on animals and their habitats? Experts say in some cases, not as bad as you might think. With more on wildfires and wildlife, here's KQED's Sam Harnett. Stephen Sargent recorded this morning chorus at a lake in Henry Coe Park. 
Located in the Diablo Range backcountry southeast of San Jose, it's the second largest state park in California. And it's filled with wildlife like tule elk, black-tailed jackrabbits, and western bluebirds. But the area was overrun by flames last week. About 40,000 acres burned, half of the entire park. That makes Wes Gray pretty happy. From the ecological standpoint, I think the plants, animals, are going to see a a great benefit from this fire at Henry Cole. Gray is a natural resource manager for California state parks. One of the things in state parks where we're always trying to reintroduce fire because all the plant and animal communities in California are fire adapted. Take redwoods. Big Basin State Park north of Santa Cruz burned. But scientists say most of the redwoods will be fine. They have flame-resistant bark, super high canopies that avoid flame, and they actually need some fire. It clears competitors and makes great sequoia seeds germinate. What about the rest of the wildlife in California? Let's start with the birds like this Stellar's jay. Adult birds simply fly away, but that leaves baby birds to face the flames on their own. Which brings us to condors, a critical endangered species in California. There are four baby condors currently missing near Big Sur, which may not mean tragedy. According to the Ventana Wildlife Society, most baby condors survive wildfires, especially if their nests happen to be located in redwoods. The Big Sur Condor Research Facility, on the other hand, didn't survive. The whole thing burned. And scientists are now seeking donations. As for small mammals like squirrels, rabbits, and chipmunks, they either run for large rocky areas or burrow underground. Scientists say a squirrel den is a pretty safe place for most fires. Some are up to six feet deep. Elk and deer will take refuge in a stream or try to outrun the flames, says Gray from State Parks. That is harder to do, though, in fires with high winds. The fires are moving faster in some situations, particularly when the fire is burning uphill for an animal to escape, and they may get trapped. Now, big predators are some of the worst off. Mountain lions can outrun most fires, but where do they go? John Keeley is a research scientist with the U.S. Geological Survey. It's a lot of developed areas. That's a problem because there's no place for these animals to go to. Humans have destroyed so much habitat in California. Over a quarter of the landmass is now used for agriculture. 95% of the redwoods were logged, an estimated 90% of the wetlands destroyed, and the state is carved up by 394,000 miles of road. So when a fire destroys habitat, it's hard for predators to find food. In most metropolitan areas, they see plenty of examples of wildlife coming out of the wildland areas simply due to lack of food. Sometimes a mountain lion survives a wildfire only to die from starvation. This is the real danger, that human-caused climate change and urban and agricultural development has destroyed too much habitat for mountain lions and condors and the like to survive another century with us in their neighborhood. And in the end, they won't be sad about it. We will. For the California Report, I'm Sam Harnett. The wildfires are being fought with armies of firefighters and fleets of planes and helicopters. But can we apply traditional fire control techniques used by Native Americans to stop future blazes from happening and protect sites important to indigenous people? The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin has more. Amamutsan Tribal Chair Valentin Lopez says using native burn practices could help prevent the kind of -of out-of-control fires that have plagued the state in recent years. The intensity and severity of this fire 
it did not have to happen. I mean, if they were to restore traditional Native American stewardship of the land, this would never happen. He also says that the way crews currently prevent and fight fires can pose risks to ancestral Native sites, which are often meaningful not because of what's built on the land, but what's concealed beneath the surface. That's not part of our, our culture is to build structures that can burn down and stuff like that. So the threat of fire uh, by itself is not a threat to our cultural resource. What is a threat to our cultural resource are the firefighters and the caterpillars and the trucks and the firefighting equipment. At particular risk right now are Awaswas tribal lands in the vicinity of the CZU lightning complex around Santa Cruz. But Lopez says many cultural sites have survey maps that fire crews can use in their planning. Be able to get that information about known cultural sites in the mountains. The person's running the fire, you know, to uh, the, the drivers so that they'll know to avoid those areas. And he knows that in many cases, as with recent fires, there's so much else at stake that firefighters have to act, despite the potential impact on ancestral sites. For the California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin. And for Thursday, August 27th, that is the California Report, a production of KQED Public Radio. Remember, you can listen to our California Report podcast. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from California Earthquake Authority a not-for-profit offering earthquake insurance to help Californians protect their financial futures. For more information, visit EarthquakeAuthority.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors, no sweeteners, no calories in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Hint, water with a touch of true fruit flavor. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts.
to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support.